eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we're back, folks. Another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider Off-Season Edition. You guys, if you are familiar with the format, when the season is over, we go into our bi-weekly podcast recording schedule. So every other week, Tim McCormick and I will sit down and do what we do on a weekly basis during the season. Always a ton of fun to catch up with my good friend Tim. You guys know him best from his days as a star player, first at Clarkston, then at the University of Michigan, before being a first-round draft pick, spending nearly a decade in the NBA, and since then, one of the best basketball analysts on television, whether it's the NBA talking the Pistons or all of college basketball, my good friend Tim McCormick. Tim, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. And you're one of the best basketball analysts on radio, and it's a pleasure to talk to you. Um Sam, I, I hope our listeners will understand that we have no game recaps. There's no major um, or surprising player moves to discuss, no, nothing really urgent. It's plain and simple. We just miss talking basketball. <laughs> right? I, I feel like I'm in withdrawal um, in my mind when I, you know, when I find myself driving down the road, you know, I, I've been breaking down in my head the hundred different options we could have explored to cover Johnny Juzang better. Um, you know, I've tried <laughs> to think about the, the three threes that, that we missed against UCLA and how we could have, you know, maybe done something different. I've broken down in my mind how we would have played against Gonzaga or Butler. I, I just need a little fix, Sam. So let's, <laughs> let's talk about the future and what, whatever else you want to, because I, I, I miss the season already. You know, it's, it's interesting to hear fans and this hear the similarities similarities between their perception of of basketball and football as it relates to the portal and what i mean by that is there's no news and what i had to try to explain to folks on the football side tim was that the, the portal is a process the portal is a fluid thing that you got to be strategic. Let's say you have needs, you look in the portal, and there's some guys that maybe you like some. You're not convinced that they'll help you a ton, but you, you know, you're interested. But you, you feel like if you wait, if you're patient, there may be a guy that's available, or some guys that are available that can really help you that you really like. Do you want to waste that spot on a maybe when if you wait? you might find a guy that's a sure thing. That's the approach on the football side of things where I'm convinced that there are guys that they're looking at expecting to possibly enter the portal once their spring practices are over and determinations are made in their current programs. And I see this similar sort of thing kind of developing on the basketball side of things, Tim. 
Yeah, and and right now all we can do is just kind of speculate when we see something. Um, first of all, I think it's very important to wait on your players to make their decision great out point. of respect to them. Yeah, great point. Um, pa- patience is worthwhile if it if it helps you. And so so what did we hear? Um, so we've heard Mike Smith wants to pursue professional options. What that means to me is that that Michigan feels like they can do better than Mike Smith. And I'm, I'm not saying that, that we shouldn't totally respect the job he did. He had a really good year. Um, and, and for a five ten point guard, he did a lot of really positive things, but in the end, you know, there were some big plays that weren't made. And, and so, um, this is my read that, that Michigan feels like, okay, if we're going to play and beat Baylor and Gonzaga, we we need to have an elite point guard. Mike Smith is a really good point guard. We need elite. And and so that's one read. Um, you know, the fact that we haven't heard anything about Austin Davis, that should be a no-brainer if he's coming back. So I would guess he's not coming back, right? I would guess um, that too, yep. Yep, and then, you know, Eli, we've heard some positive things, like he's most likely to come back. That comes from somewhere. So I think he comes back. The, the other thing, to, to, to go to your point, um, I think that Juwan is waiting and that's the smartest thing to do. Like, 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 let's, let's say that where are players going to come from? Well, there's two different things. Number one, the sec right now is just grabbing everybody in sight. Like Walker Kessler is going from North Carolina to Auburn and good for him. He would not have fit at Michigan. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Myron Jones, um, Penn state, Brandon McKissick, a real high score from Kansas city. They're going to Florida. So what happens? The guys at Auburn and the guys at Florida are saying, wait, what about me? I, I've waited my time. I'm supposed to be the starter next year. These guys are coming in my position. So there's a lot of players out there that have not even transferred yet. Um, I believe that there's 1,500 players in the D1 <laughs> portal right now. That's crazy. 2,200 if you count D2 guys. So there's, I, I think that number is going to continue to soar. And, and you might have some players that, that don't like the fact that, that they were over-recruited on. The other thing, and I think that this is most likely, is that you have all kinds of players around the nation that are putting their name into the NBA hat. And, and they're, they're not going to like what they hear. And so all of a sudden they're thinking, okay, I need to go back to college, but you know I've already told my college no, and they've already brought in you know, two guys at my position. So, so, you know, that's, that's where you have the best opportunity to bring in that elite talent. Um, and, and, and then the third thing, Sam is you don't want to blow up your chemistry. Like, like we like the name Marcus Carr. He's a really good ball player, but what message does that send to, to Frankie Collins and Isaiah Barnes and Kobe Bufkin? You know, you, you're before they even get a chance to prove themselves, you're kind of you're kind of blowing up their opportunity as a freshman. So and and also to your recruits next year, like like the Seth Trimble kid, uh, Milwaukee class of 22. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't you don't want to be that coach that's grabbing as much talent as you possibly can with, without keeping your chemistry. So those are those are some some thoughts just reading just putting, you know, just putting my ear to the wind and trying to figure out what's going on. I think Juwan is being very wise. And, and, and then the next question I think is, 
well, what do they need and how many scholarships do they have available? Are any of the other players, the current players going to leave? Uh-huh. If they were leaving, they probably would have already left, right? Right. Yeah. Well, uh, there's, there's still time, but I agree. I tend to agree with that line of thinking that the guys um, that aren't seniors, I, I think all those guys are going to return. It's it's very glaring to me that you look across the league uh, and Michigan's the only team without a, uh, a player in the portal. It's crazy. <laughs> but, but it speaks right. to a few things. First, I, I think you nailed it when you said chemistry will be at the top, at the pinnacle of consideration. Phil Martelli said that very thing. We will not upset our chemistry. So you pursue a Walker Kessler, right? Or you you at least talk to a Walker Kessler. And while there may be some schools that say, hey, look, we're just going to, we're going to compile talent and stack stars. And it doesn't matter how they fit. We just want as much talent as we can get. That was not and is not Michigan's approach. You know, Michigan's approach with Walker Kessler was we liked you before. We like you again. Uh, we think that there could be a great role for you here. But we we have our starter. Uh, there are there could be some combined minutes, but mainly a backup to, to Hunter Dickinson. We are not going to mess up our chemistry with, with Hunter Dickinson. And I don't, you know, I don't begrudge Walker Kessler for wanting more than that. But Michigan wasn't going to compromise its its roster, its roster integrity, its, ro- its roster chemistry for that. To your point about Marcus Carr, I think Juwan Howard has a clear and defined ability based on what we saw last year to really assess where a guy's head is. And you're right. Marcus Carr may not fit. I don't think that the pursuit of a guard or a wing in the in the portal necessarily means that, you know, the guys that they have coming in, be they young guys or guys that are already on the roster, that you know what, your role is you're a secondary guy. You're automatically a a throw-in, a fill-in for who we're grabbing in the portal. I think there's a mutual understanding that, hey, we might have a veteran coming in that's going to get some minutes, but it's also there also has to be an understanding from that veteran that when you come here, Marcus Carr, this is hypothetical, you aren't getting 20 shots. You aren't getting 35 minutes. You're going to be Shondi Brown. Maybe coming off the bench and getting two, 10 fewer minutes per game, getting fewer shots per game. But you know what Shondi Brown did? He won. You know what else Shondi Brown did? He improved his shot. You know what else Shondi Brown did? He improved his stock. So you can do those things, all your goals, you can still meet them if you can conform to our vision. You can fit in with our chemistry on our team. And that's not every guy, but that's the measure that I think Juwan Howard is going to use when he looks in the portal. Mm hmm. Well, well said. Well said. And so so what what culture fits certain players? Well, Marcus Carr, to me, would fit at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Kentucky's about talent acquisition every year. And and Marcus Carr would fit there. And, you know, John Calipari, it's a feeding frenzy. He throws everybody into the pool and the sharks are, are there and they're there. <laughs> but but the, the He's basically saying, "Go ahead and compete, and if you if you're not good enough, you've got to go." Um, what 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 about Adam Miller? Adam Miller started every single game for the second best team the in the 10. Big Ten, and and that's not good enough. Yeah, like I don't as know what a he's freshman, for, right? I yeah, the what same you, thing, right? What do you, what do you want? I I don't want that on on my team. 
I, I don't want to bring him in because if you're talking, if you're talking the talk, you got to walk the walk. Here's the thing. Um, here's the thing, Tim. But maybe here's what we don't know: is there some issue with you know him and his coach? You know, is there some some friction there? Is there something personal that is going on in Illinois that makes that situation one that isn't you know isn't ideal for him? I don't I, I don't know any. I don't have any inside information, so I don't. I'm not don't, making. Uh, you know, I'm not throwing out anything that I want people to run with. I'm just saying that, you know, could there be some extenuating circumstances that would lead a guy like that that's a starter on a second best team with the big to the end of the portal? There could be, but this that's the kind of due diligence that I expect from Juwan Howard. For if if it's like we suspect, like we're talking about here, then you're right. That's that's probably not a fit because he's looking for more than what he got at Illinois. The same thing. Hey, if Marcus Carr and I'm throwing him his name out there because he's obviously a high profile name. If if you were to talk to him and he was like, "Hey, I, I got to start. I got to get, you know, thirty. I got to get twenty shots. I got to get thirty five machine." You know, hey man, no problem. There there are other spots out there for you. Thanks a lot. I I really think that Michigan is going to be very very selective, and they aren't going to chase. That's the other. Don't you get that sense, Tim? I get that that sense in recruiting and in the portal that they're like, hey, here we are. We like you. If you like us, great. If you don't, that's fine. We'll move right on. They aren't really chasing like it feels like they used to have to anymore. Yeah, I, I um, I've enjoyed reading some of the articles where people are speculating, and you know, you hear about Rasir Bolton and Jalen Coleman Lands. You know, do, do you want a guy that was on a, a two win team? Um, and Coleman lands, Illinois, two years, DePaul, two years. I was like that, that doesn't help your chemistry. Another thing to consider is that if Seb Jackson and Adrian Nunez return, which I believe they will, um, you only have one scholarship Mm -hmm. and, and you've got to identify that one spot. And it's really obvious to me. Look, I, I, um, I, I know that Hunter Dickinson needs some help behind him. You know, and, and he probably is saying, no, I'm good. I'll play 34 <laughs> a game. But if he goes down, that's an issue. But you have options there with Brandon Johns and Musa Jabati and Terrence Williams. Like you could, you could, you could get through that. There's some high level talent there. That that would work. But at point guard, that's what you need. You need an elite point guard. And so I'm sure that that Juwan has looked at every name on the list, but I also am pretty sure that that he's looking for somebody that's the perfect fit, that that fits the culture, and that guy is probably a high-level player that's declaring for the draft and testing the waters, and and he's going to end up coming back to college, and he's going to need a landing spot. And most of these schools around the country are grabbing as many players as they possibly can. And, and Juwan's going to have that one scholarship for the one guy that fits perfectly. Because quite frankly, at the two and three, I love Michigan's freshmen. Like, I, I would ride with those guys. Mm-hmm. And and I think you do really, really well. Yeah, it's – I think if you look at what happened last year with Shondi Brown, who we'll be talking to, it, case in point, you know, he explored the draft and, and there was availability at Michigan. And, you know, you're fortunate – in retrospect, because I think Shondi Brown was a much better fit than No Joe Eastern ever would have been, and I, I, I'm not oh, yeah. I'm not saying this to disparage No Joe Eastern at all. 
Uh, but I just looked at his situation, much like we just talked about with Adam Miller. I mean, here he was a, a frontline guy on a really good Purdue team, uh, you know, and was going to be that again, uh, but was looking for something more. Uh, and would he have been, we talked about this in the podcast before, would he have been as amenable to coming off the bench here as Shondi Brown was? I just, I, I question whether that would have been the case. But to your point about the wings, you know, it's it's very conspicuous to me that Michigan uh, has not been pushing Micah Peavy. Micah Peavy was a big time target for Michigan coming out of high school. He, you know, Michigan was one of the finalists along with Texas Tech. Uh, he's a wing with with uh, with shooting ability, with bounce. And when he entered the portal, there was some talk, some speculation. Hey, man, he's going to have great interest in Michigan and nothing. Crickets says a couple of things. They really like where they are with their wings. And that scholarship that you just mentioned, you know, where are they going to assign it? And I'm with you. I think they are looking at point guards. I think to get back to the Shondi Brown uh, example, they waited around. They were patient. Uh, you know, in addition to having some luck with things kind of falling through with, with no Joe Eastern, and they were positioned to land a guy like Shondi Brown. I'm with you. I think the same approach is being applied here in this portal cycle. I do think, though, that there is a guy that's at least of interest. At least there's some intrigue there. And I wonder what you think of the name Jacob Young from from Rutgers. Uh, yeah, a guy who really came on uh, in his final season with the Scarlet Knights if he decides not to go back. Uh, you know, shooting percentage was up. Scoring was up to about 14 points a game. You know, averaged about 3.4 assists on a team that had, like, you know, Shaq shooting threes. I mean, those guys couldn't shoot threes, Tim, and he still averaged a, a decent clip. That's a guy that's going to give you defensive tenacity, pit bull out there, you know, 94 feet of, of point guard. Uh, and you got to believe that at this juncture that it's about winning in addition to elevating his his status or his pro prospects so what would you think of him again i'm not not signaling or saying that he's a definite target but i do know that he's a he's been at least a name of interest in ann arbor i have a list in front of me of 10 guys and i i researched the the transfer portal and i looked at names i knew i don't i don't study it enough that that i would know every sleeper out there um of the 10 names on my list Jacob Young is the only one that I would strongly consider, um, and I and I, I keep thinking about when when you're on on the sideline coaching, and I just I just learned this um, from coaching my son's AAU team against some really high level players. When you're coaching against someone, you have a whole different perspective on who they are and what they're about. You can watch film, you can call people, you can, you can, you know, read about them, but, but by coaching against someone and watching their intensity, watching the way they interact with their teammates, watching how they talk to referees after a call, you could learn so much more by coaching against someone than anything else. And, and I just have a sense that, that Juwan was watching Jacob Young on a different level last year when he played against and when he coached against Rutgers. And so I can't even speculate on whether he likes them, hates them, loves them somewhere in between. I, I just think that there's no way of knowing what Juwan thinks of Jacob Young. 
And and I, I think there's a possibility that that those those games against Rutgers, he formed an opinion that is going to drive his decision making, meaning that if Jacob Young becomes a Michigan Wolverine, a big part of it is that Juwan saw something from him during those games this year. If Jacob Young doesn't come here, then Juwan said, you know what, that guy doesn't fit our culture. So I, I can't answer that question, but I have thought about it a lot. And and I, I think he's certainly intriguing. He, he seems like a really um, high quality kid. I've heard he's a good academic um, you know, fit. His dad is, is a, you know, is a legend. So of my 10 guys, he's the only one that's high profile that I, I think Michigan should consider. Yeah. John Beeline raved about him during the say Like mm-hmm. when you'll watch him on the big 10 network and doing games, he loved, loved, loved Jacob Young. And he said something that stuck out to me. He said, there isn't a coach in the big 10 that coach against that kid that wouldn't want him to play for him. That's, that's good. What, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, that's what John um, Beeline is. And John Beeline said that. So Yeah, and because when we watch a game, you know, there's so many things that we can pick up on. But there's there's just and, – and you, you've sat courtside for games. Like, you can even see more when you're courtside. But when you're on TV, you're just guessing. So that's good to hear that John Beeline says it because if he says it, I believe it. Yeah, but again, I, I want to make this clear. I, I just know that that's a, guy, that's a guy that was like, oh, that's interesting. He's in the portal, not, hey, he's – full-fledged target because I think like you they're in a position where they can they can sit back and, and and wait and maybe it's one of those things where if the draft guy doesn't materialize and if Jacob Young is one of the guys that's still out there maybe then he rises up in as far as their level of pursuit is concerned but I just sense a, a great deal of patience on their part not in any rush at all to, to make a move. And if they wind up with what they have, I think they feel like they have enough. I mean, this is just about can you make your – can you improve your positioning? Yes. But even if you don't, you still feel really good about what you have coming in. I mean, it's not ideal to have a freshman point guard, but Frankie Collins is going to be yeah. a heck of a freshman, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. But I, I do think that – that Frankie Collins has zero college basketball experience. And if, if you, if he's your second point guard and Eli Brooks can, can play wherever you want, that's, that's, that's a backcourt right there where I say, yeah, Michigan's going to win the big 10 this year and they're going to get to the final four. That That's how good that backcourt would be. If you're going in and saying, man, Frankie Collins is really good. What happens when he's in an elite eight game against UCLA? Can he make that layup? Can he make that three? Um, I'm not sure if a freshman you can count on him. I think it'd be great to have another mentor. Um, also, the the other thing is Zeb Jackson, to me, um, I, I did not see him practice once, but to me, he's a wing player. I, I don't see him as a point guard. Um, I think he's got some some really good athleticism and potential. But I, I look at him as more of a, a, a two three. Do you do you do you see that? Do you do you disagree with no, that? No, I don't disagree with that. And look, Zeb coming out of high school, he was always more two than one. He's a combo that was always more a two than a one. Uh, you know, developing lead guard skills, lead guard feel, pass first, shoot second, setup man skills, that was always gonna be a work in progress. And I think w- with what we saw of him, the little that we saw of him this year, uh, said to me that he wasn't there. And again, we aren't in practice, 
and this is just the the glimpse from the outside. It just feels like he's not quite there yet as far as his development as a lead guard. That doesn't mean that he can't get there eventually. I'm not saying that the die has been cast and he can never be he can never be that. I just don't think that he's that on a team that has championship aspirations. Like mm-hmm. if you you know if you want to learn on the fly and lose some games uh, through the growing pains, great. But that's not where Michigan is right now. Um, at, at least not when you have a guy. I think that for instance, Frankie Collins is further along as a as a lead guard than than Zeb Jackson. And so if you were gonna if you were gonna have some growing pains, uh, then I think you would have them with Frankie Collins because. I think he's going to make a, more plays as a point guard than uh, than Zeb Jackson would to cover up some of the mistakes. So I'm with you. I, I think overall you want to get some help, some veteran help in the portal. That would be ideal. If they don't, though, I as long as you get Eli back, that's the caveat. If they get Eli back, I still would feel good about where Michigan is because they would have a guy that could really nurture a young point guard in Frankie Collins. I agree. I would feel good if Eli Brooks comes back. I would feel unbelievably good. I would be elated if Eli comes back and you get that other veteran point guard that 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 you would put in the category of being elite. Mm-hmm. That That's what Juwan wants. He doesn't want to be good. He doesn't want to be real good. He wants to be elite. And, and they, they, to me, they need a point guard. That's a vet that's seen a lot and, and is a lot like Mike Smith, a lot like him, but a a little bit bigger, a a little bit more of a playmaker at the end. All right. Well, we have the great fortune of, you know, having with us on these airwaves, a guy who in one year made such an impression on the program, on fans was such a contributor such an A1 guy, has been a guest on the podcast before uh, and exceeded my expectations. Not not Randolph Childress's expectations. I talked about this before. Randolph Childress said, hey, Shawnee can shoot. And boy, did he ever prove Randolph Childress right. Glad that we can have Shawnee uh, Brown back on the podcast here, Tim. Yeah, I am, um, I, I'm really impressed with what he did. And I'm excited for him to take his shot at the NBA. He's got a lot of good selling points. Excellent size strength, athleticism. He's a shooter. He's a team guy. And, and I I can tell you from personal experience, one of the things that hurt me my rookie year is that I had never come off the bench in my life. I had been a starter basically every game I ever played. And my rookie year, it took me a long time to sit there and figure out how to impact the game off the bench. When Shawnee Brown goes in for his interviews with the NBA teams, he can say, I've added that skill set to my bag, and and I, I know how to impact the game. That's a great selling point for Shondi Brown. Absolutely. All right, so we'll get to a break. When we come back on the other side, we'll be joined by Shondi Brown. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. And we're back, folks, here on the Michigan Basketball Insider with uh, a guy who made an unbelievable impact this past season with the Michigan Wolverines as a transfer from Wake Forest. And, boy, uh, did he build a legacy in just one season. Talking about Shondi Brown, who joins us here on the podcast. Shondi, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing? Doing great, man. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, Shondi, you did an excellent job. And Michigan basketball is so lucky to have you and the family. Uh, really want to find out what was your favorite part of being a Michigan basketball player this year? Um, just basically just being with a group of guys every day. Um, they were like family to me and even including the coaches, just being around them. That was probably my favorite part of, you know, of the Michigan season. But it, like I said, you know, besides that, it's a lot of great parts of the season. Definitely, um, with me just, you know, winning the big 10 regular season champs, that was really huge because I'd never done that in the previous years at, um, at my old school. But, yeah, um, just, just having that feeling and doing it on senior night as well, um, that was a big part. And, you know, um, also I feel like just, you know, just winning games in the tournament, um, that was really a special moment. And, you know, advancing teams and beating teams, that was just great. So, I, um, I spent the whole year thinking about this, and I know Sam and I talked about it. It must have been just an incredible challenge to face the isolation. Here you are away from your family in a new city, on a new campus. You can't go anywhere. What were some of the challenges that you faced uh, being in a quarantine situation throughout the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, basically, you can't really be a regular college student. You can't go to parties. You can't, you know, hang around certain people in large groups because, you know, we're in the season and we're getting tested six days a week. So, it's, you know, I kind of couldn't really live the college life I wanted to live. And especially like, you know, that's my senior year. So, but, you know, that was one of the struggles. And for me, one another struggle was like the cold because I'm from Florida. So I'm not used to, you know, that was one of the struggles for me, but I got through it though. Um, Michigan did a great job of, you know, keeping me warm and things like that. But yeah, the cold was definitely one of my struggles for real. So Shawnee, I would like to, rewind and, and I know you've talked about it before but now that your Michigan journey is behind you as a player take me back through the process of of coming here because one of the storylines of the season was that you were an outstanding player off the bench you were one of the best players in the portal and you can you were looking to not only win but improve your pro prospects now you did those things but you did it coming off the bench and I'm curious was that ever talked about the possibility of coming off the bench during the recruiting process or is that something that as you got into the into the flow here you realized that would be a distinct possibility and ultimately how it worked out yeah i mean it wasn't really talked about uh coach howard kept it real with us he told he tells everyone and he told me on, on my zoom call that this is the starting spot everyone has to earn their starting spots and you know um shoot it was just you know everyone was battling battling and it came down to me and Eli, and you know, you know, he uh, he started Eli, and 
he brought me to the side and was like, you know, he wants me to come off the bench because he, he says I bring so much energy to the team and so much, you know, so much emotion to the team that brings us up. So told me that and I accepted that role and, you know, I never asked no questions on why I'm not starting and things like that because Eli's a great player as well. I just, you know, had to accept my role because I know this is a really talented team. So when I came in, I had to do what I do best, energize the other four other guys that's on the court with me and just, you know, just play my game. So. Yeah, man, and look, you know, you look at the at last year's draft. You know, Patrick Williams, number four player in the draft, he came off the bench the whole year. So yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so you know, teams teams look at look at what you bring to the table, even if it is coming off the bench, and you obviously had a starter's impact. But here's the thing: you had it in a way that at least those of us on the outside didn't see coming. You were a thirty-two percent sure. three-point shooter at Wake Forest, you shot forty-two mm-hmm. percent at Michigan. Now Randolph Church has told us you can shoot, but I'm curious yeah. did did you did you consider yourself as good a shooter as you wind up being here, or did you improve on your shot when you got here? Yeah, most definitely. I definitely stayed in the gym all summer, um, and like I said, like I said, Wake Forest coaches they worked me out a lot. Uh, over the summer and things like that, and they definitely knew I was way better shooting than thirty-two percent. Um, you know, so I know that I had that was one of my you know biggest things I wanted to work on is offseason. I was shooting the three ball better, and I stayed in the gym a lot, a lot, a lot, and I feel like you know I proved that that I'm a really good shooter. So, so Shondi, the last five minutes of the UCLA game, you're probably saying I'm done with. That. I don't even want to talk about it, but I um I, I think back to that game a lot. And the last five minutes of the game, you made a three to tie it. I think it was like 45 or 46. You grabbed uh-huh. two rebounds and had a steal. In that game, you were three for five, two for three from three. You had nine boards. I thought you were Michigan's best player against UCLA. And I leaned over to my wife and I said, Shondi needs this shot. Um, was that discussed in the huddle? Can, can you take us back to the, the, those last um, few trips? because? You were the hottest shooter, and you didn't get the shot. Um, was it discussed in the huddle? What were you thinking down down the stretch there? Did you want that shot? Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. I feel like everybody, you know, on the floor wanted the shot, but you know, we ran, you know, a perfect play, you know, for Franz, and he had a wide open look, and he missed it. It was a great shot. Um, I thought it was going in, um, but yeah, you know, I just, you know, we gave it to you know our best player, and you know, he did. He decided to take the 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 right shot, which, you know, was, you know, coming off the screen and, you know, pulling up and, you know, unfortunately he missed it, but, you know, we're living, you know, if he makes it or missed it, we're living with this. So. Great. When, when you're preparing for the draft now, what are you doing to get ready? Are you staying in Ann Arbor? Do you have a trainer? You know, what, what is that process like for, for our fans that are, are, are trying to find out, you know, what that draft preparation process is like? Yeah, for right now, I don't even know, to be honest, because, um, you know, COVID, I don't know if it's going to be workouts. So I'm, I'm just all over the place right now. I'm back at home right now, just, you know, uh, this whole week I'm, you know, having some uh, meetings with some agents and figuring out which one would be the best fit for me and things like that. So this whole week I'm worried about that. I'm also working out back at home. I have a trainer back at home in Florida, so I'm down here. And, you know, just basically, you know, just to get away to, to see my family. I haven't seen them since, shoot. I haven't been home since August, so 
Um, yeah, so just seeing them is good, you know, talking about, you know, having meetings with agents and working out and, you know, just about trying to stay in shape and things like that. So You see, you kind of messed up, Shondi, because now the temperatures, you know, it's it's beautiful here in Michigan. You waited all this yeah. time, and now that it's nice, you leave. <laughs> right, I'll be, I'll be back up uh, in like in a few weeks. Too. I got to get my second vaccine shot, actually. All right. Yeah, so you you have been through it. You you chose Michigan. You felt like you, uh, as far as the coaching staff, the fit, you felt like it'd be good. It wound up being that way. As you look mm-hmm. back on it, can you take me into a game, a moment, a coaching point that stands out to you as man? This is this is why I came to Michigan. This moment, this. This thing, this takeaway, this is why I came to Michigan. This is why a, a guy in the portal now, this is why you should come. What kind of coaching advice, coaching influence, player influence did you get here that you can share with us that maybe was so impactful to you that you think it's the kind of thing that other guys should want to come and experience? Yeah, probably just, um, I don't know what game was it. I don't know. Probably when we played at Ohio State, they, you know, they were – those two teams, we were both top five in the country at the time. I think we were number two and they were number three. And, you know, that's what, you know, that's what you, that's what you come for. You come to Michigan to play in big games like that. And, you know, it really, you know, brought a lot of, a lot of us, you know, that, you know, we just had to basically play our games, but and then we ended up with the win. And I think we were um, underestimated that we were going to lose that game. But, you know, we knew that we were capable of, but we had a really good team. But, you know, that's why you come to Michigan to play in big-time games like that. And, you know, so, and that's why, you know, that's one of the big reasons I feel like I can't in playing games like that. When you look back at the, the coaching influence, where did they help? Where did Michigan, where did Coach Howard, Coach Isley, Coach Washington, Coach Martelli, where did they help Shondi Brown's game the most? Yeah, um, everything, really. Deep inside, opposite side. Um, you know, seeing things I didn't see from the court, um, just, you know, telling me, you know, if my shot's short, you know, telling me get more left, uh, telling me I could have done this on defense side, telling me I could have done this, made an extra pass, you know, I could have shot that shot. Just, just, you know, we watched a lot of film in practice in, in Michigan. We watched tons of film and even one-on-one. I had a lot of one-on-one film sessions with Coach uh, Saudi Washington and um, Coach Isley, but more Coach Washington. So, and we, you know, we broke a lot of things down and things like that. So that, I feel like, you know, that really helped me. And just for them to take the time out of the day to have a film session with me, show that they really care about me and, you know, how I can help this team out. Shondi, final question. Uh, so when, when you, when you prepare for an NBA career, um, do you mm-hmm. find yourself studying NBA players and, and is there a guy or two that, that you'd like to pattern yourself after and, 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 you know, some of the same skills. Yeah, um, not really. Um, I just try to be myself. I don't try to be like nobody else. I mean, I, of course, I have, you know, a few favorite players in the NBA, but I don't need to try to be like them. I need, you know, develop my weaknesses to strengths and, you know, keep working on my strengths as well. But, yeah, just, you know, just keep working, keep working hard like I had been this whole summer and my whole college career, and I feel like big uh, – Good things are happening. Last one I have for you is tell us about the the younger guys that maybe didn't play. We know what to expect from Hunter next year, right? Yeah. But, no. you know, some of the other guys like T-Will, like Zeb, you know, the, the players that we mm-hmm. didn't see as much of, what, what should we expect to see from them next year based on what you saw in practice all year? Yeah, 
most definitely. And I feel like Zeb and T Will will definitely have a big year next and this next year. They stay in the gym. Um, you know, a lot of you know freshmen when they come in and not playing, they be out of it. But you know, they always were clapping for us, cheering us on, telling us what, what we could have did or things like that. And they, you know, they always had a happy and positive attitude. And you know, which a lot of on a lot of teams you won't really see that. If a player is not playing, he's not going. He's just going to get in his shell and you know not help the team out. But you know, T. Will came in and the tournament made some big plays for us. Um, you know, because he knew that we knew that Isaiah Lakers was was out probably for the rest of the season. So we knew T. Will needed to step up, and which he did. And definitely uh, Zeb in that first tournament game versus Texas Southern, he came off the bench, gave us some good minutes. I think he hit two or three threes, which was huge, and things like that. And that tells you that they were locked in just because they weren't in the rotation or things like that. Um, they didn't soak them up. You know, our coach said, you know, always says next man up. So, you know, you have to be ready. And, you know, we know that they have the talent. They're at a high division one basketball school and they got here for a reason. So they just went out there and played their game. But I'm definitely happy. I'm definitely happy to see them um, have a good year next year. And I, I have no doubt they will. Shawnee, thank you so much for joining us. You know, you brought a lot to the Michigan Wolverines, and we um, we we really enjoyed talking about you this year and studying your game. And uh, we we know great things are coming in the NBA. You've got some big fans from Sam and I. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks, Shawnee. Appreciate it, man. Um, yep. Tim, always a pleasure to catch up with with guys, uh, you know, guys who can take us inside to what it was like during the season and this was a fantastic ride that they took us on this season and Shondi Brown was a big reason why it was fantastic a guy that I'll remember it's just amazing to see the improved 10 percentage points Tim he he improved his three-point shooting percentage a three and D guy uh, when I think three and D I think a guy like Bruce Bowen in the in the NBA now not the same kind of player but the that's the kind of role that I envision for him at least early in his professional career. I'm curious, is there anyone specifically that he reminds you you of? He does, and it's not somebody that everybody probably knows the name or his game. Um, but to me, I um, I watch Shondi Brown, and he's very similar to Kyrie Thomas, who was with the Pistons for the last two years. Um, he's in the G League now with San Antonio. Um, but he played at Creighton and was a two-time defensive player of the year, um, averaged about 15 points per game, and he was drafted in the mid-30s two years ago. Um, it didn't really work out for him so far, but he's still really young. Um, and and so the just like with Kyrie, the next step for, for both Kyrie and Shondi is to be able to be a driver. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he... he I thought Shondi was outstanding in every way last year. He was impactful. He was a leader, kind of like when Charles Matthews came in and fit in so well when he transferred from Kentucky to Michigan. Um, I, I think that he's a really good success story. And when when I think about the the development of Shondi Brown's shot, I, I do remember your 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 Randolph Childress interview, and he said he's a really good shooter. Thirty two percent at Wake Forest. That's marginal. 42% of Michigan probably gets you drafted. Mm-hmm. But the, the big thing that I, I need to know is when he was at Wake Forest, he had the ball in his hands all the time. He's a starter. He got a lot of shots up, but he was also that featured weapon. Mm-hmm. And every defense was loaded up to stop him. 
and a lot of his three-point shots were probably forced. Mm -hmm. The difference at Michigan last year, a lot of his threes came off a post-touch for Hunter, Mm -hmm. and he was on the other side and kicked it to Shondi for an open shot. Or there were three or four passes, a drive and kick. So so the difference is that Shondi Brown had wide open shots this year. And so I just wonder, did he improve his three-point shooting by 10%, or was he getting a much more open look. And that's something that the NBA scouts are really good at, at figuring out with the analytics. So that's, um, that's kind of my observation on him, but uh, three and D no doubt he can do both of those really well. The other thing to remember, Sam, some guys can knock down an N or a college three with ease. It's a big step when you move it back an extra foot and a half. Um, I feel like I could knock down a college three, but if you move me back to the NBA three, it was just a step outside my range. So that'll be interesting to see as well. Yeah, it's it's an interesting debate. Uh, and to answer, talking about Shondi, was it the the quality of the look or the the quality of his shooting that didn't improve? It's probably a little, probably a bit of both. Uh, you know, right? Oh yeah. You, yeah, you put oh, as yeah. much time in the gym as he talked about putting in the gym could really see it having an impact. On his shooting ability, but there's no question. Look, there, make no mistake, we don't have to go back and look at the tape. No, he was getting better shots at Michigan. I mean, drive and kick, yep. post touches, he got better looks at Michigan. So that he was able to knock him down, though, is going to go a long way because no one was saying three and D for Shondi Brown coming out of Wake Forest. No one. And it's the the irony is that's what we thought he was going to do was, was be a driver, and he he was not put in the the situation because they didn't put put him in ball screen situations like they did, you know, Franz or or Zay that just or or, or Mike Mike Smith. They didn't really do that with Shondi, and I think he has that at least looking at his Wake Forest film. He has some of that in his arsenal and the pre-draft uh, workouts and that kind of thing. It'll be interesting to see how much of that he's able to showcase because I think that will go to, into his draftability as well. But. Definitely helped himself out coming to Michigan. And that is something that I think if you're Jawan Howard, Tim, say, look, look at this guy. He got 10 fewer minutes. His scoring average dipped a few points. And his draft profile is higher because he he, he fit into a role. He played defense. He was a big-time player on a winning team, and he could hit jumpers. We made sure to showcase his jump shooting ability and look at his draft status now. You can put you can pitch that out on a recruiting trail, and I think it's going to be something that's very appealing to to guys who want to be developed. Tim, yep, Shawnee Brown's a success story, and the rest of his life, people are going to say, "Where'd you play?" He's not going to say Wake Forest. He's going to say, "I played at Michigan," and that's that's um that, that's a beautiful thing. It sure is always a beautiful thing to be on this podcast with you, Tim, folks. If you like this podcast, be sure to rate it. Be sure to review it. Be sure to tell all your friends about it. They can find it wherever they get their podcast, whatever platform they're on. Just tell them to search for Michigan Insider Podcast. Grab the Michigan Basketball Insider, and there you'll have it. We'll be back in a couple of weeks here on the Michigan Basketball Insider. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. Cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. 
Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+.